Welcome to Sex Communication, a project aimed at changing how people talk about sex. It features audio recordings of sex acts, extremely frank conversations, and many confessionals. Please note that our content is explicit and uncensored. And while these episodes may indeed arouse you, the intent is to inform and inspire. Join us now for a judgment and shame-free exploration of sex. Sexy, sexy, sex stuff. Hi folks, welcome to episode 67. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to open up your relationship? Or maybe thought about how life would change if you were to have kids? How your body changes as you get older? Well, today I'm sharing with you a conversation with a woman who can give you some insight into all of these things. Uh, She is a mother of three, um, professional doula, somebody I would describe as sexually curious, She also has the perspective of being a wife in a marriage of 22 years and deciding in the last year or so of the relationship to open up the marriage. This was the decision she and her husband came to uh, mutually and willingly, and the results were very different for both of them. Um, Very lucky to have had the opportunity to speak with her in such depth about these different life experiences and the struggles of, we really dive into the effects of choice and biologies and how all of these things can affect your outlook on life, um, sex drive, the changes in priorities and your schedule and the time you have for yourself and what self-care looks like and what sex looks like and what partnership looks like. So many things. So lucky that Jamie agreed to do this interview and was so vulnerable and and honest about all of the, the good and the bad of, of these experiences and decisions. So sit back and enjoy. Hi. Hi. We're going with Jamie, right? Yes. Okay. Well, thank you for saying yes and coming all the way over here to do this podcast. Oh, I'm excited. No, I'm I'm glad to be here. So tell me a little bit about what you're into sexually. Uh, What am I not into? That's the the question. Um, You know, I go through phases. So like I'm on FetLife and I label myself a switch. And I think that for me, what that means is I like to play around with power dynamics, but I don't have... I'm not like that heavy into BDSM. Um, I would say that I'm, um, you know, mutual, you know, I, I don't like to use the word vanilla because it sounds <laughs> like so, you know, boring because I don't think my sex life is at all boring. Um, but like, you know, I, I, I really like sensuality and I'm very into snuggling (laughs) despite being very kinky um i think people have this impression that if you're into like spanking and you know all the tough rough stuff that you you know you don't need anything else you know like but that's actually not quite true at all um but i you know i'm really into variety i think that's a big part of my sexuality right now is is I'm seeing a lot of people and always meeting new people Mm -hmm. and um, just really kind of in an exploratory place in my life. So to say what I'm into is is really hard for me because people ask me, like, what are your kinks? And I'm like, my kinks are like I I had another kinkster 
said it really well. And he was like, I'm not really one or the other. I'm just like this puppy that's like, yeah, let's do it. Let's see. You want to do that? Okay, let's see what that's like. And I think I'm a lot like that. Like when I meet somebody, I'm like, I'm really interested. I'm sort of a chameleon. I'm really interested in what turns them on. And if it's something that turns me on too, I'm like, oh, yeah, that sounds cool. <laughs> do you have a favorite thing? Um, I'm really, I, I, you know, lately I'm really into making boys whimper. Um. <laughs> In a femdom kind of way or a In, in a way? femdom kind of way. In whatever way they'll let me. Um, you know, like edging and um, some spanking. I had a lovely date last night who decided to get a little exploratory and kinky with me last night and let me, you know, do some sensation and spanking. And, um, and I like, I love really like playing with a guy's cock and edging him and mm. making him suffer a little bit <laughs> that just hurts me on so much um, um, <laughs> um so I think yeah I think I'm really into um I don't feel like I always have to be the one in control sometimes I really like it when somebody's you know really alpha and like um you know dominant but but for the most part I think I really just like to um to take the initiative a lot of times, you know, like, you know, like my date last night, I was the first person to touch. I was the first person to initiate a kiss, mm -hmm. which I think is very, um, counter to what people ex often expect from women. And I'm just like, I'm in this place in my life where I'm just like, I just want to, you know, <laughs> say fuck you to all the norms or whatever standards of behavior we're supposed to be living by and do the opposite. <laughs> so do you, enjoy it equally when say a man was you know in a position to make you whimper or would do any of the things that make you edge and and oh yeah no yeah. I'd love that too yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I mean like I'm I'm into that but I, I'm quite comfortable because I date mostly you know so I'm 49 and I date mostly younger men mm -hmm. and so I think it's really hard for me to feel submissive to someone younger than me so I I just automatically kind of take that dominant role and, um, yeah, so, I mean, I've had a few kind of alpha-y guys who were um, bossy, and but no one really, no one's really, I mean, I'd love to meet a good dom. Like, one of, the, one of my favorite experiences in, in, I wouldn't even, it wasn't even sex. It was, um, I got flogged by this beautiful dom at, at a party once. And I, w I just thought it was the hottest thing <laughs> I've ever experienced because they had a way of like flogging for a good amount of time and like really pushing me to my limits mm -hmm. and then stopping and then like rubbing my ass really nice <laughs> with their hands. And I was like, oh, <laughs> so that's one of those memories that sort of comes up in my head <laughs> quite a lot. It's like fuel for a lot of things it was there was just something really sensual about that and I really like uh I like that stingy feeling when you get spanked you know that your yeah. ass gets it's very I mean I get that it's painful but it, there's something pleasurable in pain <laughs> sometimes you know and I, and I and and it's not as if I need that in every sexual encounter I'm not like a true fetishist in that way but I I, I do enjoy those things so when you say you date mostly younger guys, like how young are we talking about? Um, well, so the youngest partner I've had is 22. Um, 
and I adore him. I haven't, I've only been with him once and, um, I want to be with him again very soon. He's going out of town. So, um, and we still stay in contact and, um, I like him cause he's a dirty little slut and, um, <laughs> <laughs> and he's filthy and awesome. Um, and I only, I don't normally go that young because, um, I, there's just, it's, there's not a lot of experience and, and, but the, he was a little, he, I think he sort of has had experience from a younger age. So yeah. I really felt, uh, like he had something to offer. Um, but I think the average is, you know, anywhere from, I feel like 28 is a number that comes up a lot on yeah. Tinder that I, <laughs> I match with. Well, um, but the average number is probably like 26 to like 35 ish. Um, anytime I've tried to connect with someone either close to my own age or, um, or even a little older, it's just been way too complicated. And I'm just, I'm really not, and it's not that it's not the emotions that were complicated. It's, they were like, not, they didn't have their shit together. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, I don't know what it is. You know, maybe I haven't met the right you think it would be the opposite. You're talking about older really. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I know a lot of a lot of young girls really like older men right now. And um, I honestly am not that attracted to them most of the time. Like, if I'm on – I use Tinder a lot. I use um, uh, an app called Pure sometimes, um, which if you're not familiar with that app, I'll, I'll tell you about that. But, um, and – when I, when I connect or when I see photos of guys my own age, I'm just not incredibly attracted to them. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that uh, in some ways I'm kind of living, I'm kind of reliving a part of my life that I didn't get to live because I was married mm-hmm. and I was in a relationship. I, we, were, we were married for, geez, uh, I think it was like 22, 23 years. And then we were together since we were 19. So all together about 30 years that we were together. And so I, I spent my whole, that's a huge amount of time, 30 years of my life, you know, all my twenties and thirties, um, I spent in this marriage, which was wonder. I mean, that was my choice. It was wonderful. I have no, um, regrets about that. It's just, uh, that's what happened. And, and now, um, that marriage is over and I find myself being a little boy crazy and, (laughs) and like really wanting to, um, you know, and also uh, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that like younger men seem to actually be more into me than older men are Mm. because there's that whole like mystique of the older woman, the milf, the cougar, you know, like I meet so many guys who are like, yeah, I watch a lot of cougar porn (laughs) and I'm just like, I'm like, okay, baby, (laughs) go right ahead. You know, and and at first when I, when I, we, uh, so my husband and I opened up our marriage uh, about a year and a half before we actually um, decided to split. And um, I, I rejected that title, that, that idea that I was, that there was this label that of cougar or milf or, you know, what all this stuff. Um, and now I kind of embrace it. Like I don't walk around with that label and like advertise it, but if, because I was, I was like really concerned about like being fetishized mm-hmm. and, um, and now I kind of don't, it doesn't bother me because I'm like, if, if I'm a fetish for someone, that's kind of hot, you know, like to be, um, 
especially if it's just a casual account encounter. If yeah. I was trying to form a relationship with somebody and that was like their sole reason for being in a relationship with me, I don't think I would, that would be great. Mm -hmm. But if we used it in our own, you know, sex life sometimes, like that would be okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I have boys who want to like play mommy and you know I'm, I'm doing a lot of things <laughs> taboo things that i thought i wouldn't not that you know not uh, you know just role play you know things that were considered like taboo role play a lot of uh you know we live in a very repressed society where everything is so serious you know <laughs> we can't you can't pretend that you're turned on by the idea of being with your mommy you know it's like it's just fantasy it's just play it's not as if you're real. I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm not going to really have sex with my own son, you know, like, or, and they're not really going to have sex with their own mother. It's just a fun thing to play. Are you a mother in real life? I am. Yeah. I have three kids. I have two that are adolescents, a 12 and a 15 year old. And then I have an eight year old. And, um, part of the thing that happens when you have children is that you're, um, your libido decreases, obviously, and it's more about just being, you know, freaking exhausted. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just a, a con it's like a continual state of exhaustion. And, and one of the things that um, that I really am happy that there's being attention drawn to is the, the idea that women do most of the worry work, mm -hmm. you know, and that mental load is very hard on your libido. Yeah. And. I think that that's, you know, like I would look up terms and, 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 you know, about postpartum sex. And one of the things that the other Google searches that came up was how to satisfy your husband after having a baby. And it was like, well, fuck that. <laughs> you being satisfied. Yeah, like, like who's satisfying you? <laughs> you know, like, is that really our mentality? <clears throat> you know, we're, we're focusing on the, the, the man's needs without really supporting the woman who's giving birth. Birth. And I, you know, and, and to be honest, like I, I've, I had as much support as anybody did, you know, uh, the, the point being is that it really, um, it, you know, it was like part of my sexuality sort of lay dormant for a number of years, a good 15 years, which is about the age of my oldest son. It's not like, I, I mean, I was having sex and I was having pretty good sex too. Like my, um, I can't complain. My husband and I had really great sex. We tried, you know, we did really well. I mean, and it, it's, but it's just normal that when you've been with someone for a length of time that you don't get those hormones and those endorphins that you used to get when you first yeah. got together. And, and so I think it's when you couple that along with the stress of having kids, it does sort of make things more complicated and a little harder to do sometimes. So that's why it's a big passion of mine to like really help postpartum couples navigate that phase and, you know, hopefully, you know, help them do it better. So what would you say the frequency of your sex life with your husband before your first kid versus after? Was it a real decrease in the amount of times or maybe just the feelings that went along with it? Was it both? Um, yeah, I think it was, yeah, it was both. I mean, I think that, um, you know, even before we had kids, we had sort of peaks and valleys in our sex life. And um, it's hard for me to even remember what life was like. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think that we definitely, you know, I mean, it's, you know, it, 
we it's like a roller coaster. Like you're there are times when you're really into each other and then there are times when you're not. And um but yeah, I think it definitely had a decrease. There was a decrease in intimacy for yeah. sure. Um because you are sharing yourself more with, you know, these humans who need you and they need a, a lot of attention and um so at the end your cup is empty you know you know at the end of the day you're like I, I i don't know what more i have to give and uh that's a real thing and and so i think that um it, you know it's something that we need to talk about more i think so you, you described yourself as you feel like you're a bit boy crazy right now mm-hmm. so in the scope of your whole life like your whole sex having life has your sex energy your sex drive has it always been high has it you know, changed with certain life events? How in the, like, do you feel like you're more sexual now than you were? Yes. Um, well, when I, so I, I started having sex when I was 15 and that let, I, I, the person who I don't like to use the term lost my virginity because I hate the term virginity. (laughs) Um, it's a horrible patriarchal concept. Um, but the person who, you know, I had sex with for the first time, we ended up having a relationship for about a year and we had a lot of really good sex for 15 year olds I mean I look back at that and we really that was like my sex education like we learned things together we did oral sex we did all the positions we you know all of the kind of basic things I feel like I came out of that relationship sort of like with skills it was almost like (laughs) (laughs) yeah like an education and um and I saw I I I learned to enjoy sex at a very young age and I and I did enjoy um, sex, but I, I think that I felt a lot of uh, shame around it. And and so part of me felt as I think many women do, especially when we're younger, that like, you know, we should want to have sex with this person because they want to have sex with us. So I had a few of those kind of encounters where I was like, didn't really want to be having sex with the person I was having sex with. And, and then you know, and then as I got a little older, I started having experiences that were very positive for me too. And, and, and so I, but, but all the whole while, I think I had this kind of, um, feeling that, um, I was not because I was, I had multiple partners by the time I was 19. I think I would, I'd been with like 12 people, which isn't a lot. Um, I think it was I don't know. I don't remember. I, I don't keep track of numbers anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, so because I don't think it's, it's worth it or valuable. Um, but I felt a lot of shame in that. I felt shamed that I felt ashamed that I had had sex with so many people and I felt like there was something wrong with me. And then my, uh, my ex-husband came along and there was this sense of, he was very sweet and very, loving and and gentle and and something about him really attracted me to him and I felt like somehow more valuable as a person and and so I think I was really drawn in by um the idea that he was a way out of this shameful lifestyle that I was leading. So where do you think the shame came from? Was it something, you know, that you grew up with family wise or with certain societal? Yeah. I mean, I think it's society. And I think that I, I felt like my mother was a bit of a slut because she would go out, um, 
And after immediately after uh, my own parents' divorce, she would she would be out almost every night at a club, and she would bring home men and and. Um, I just didn't feel like the way she was behaving was appropriate because I felt like it was dangerous for me to have strange men in the house. How old were you at that time? 15. Well, they got a divorce when I was like 14. And, and, and one of the men that she brought home actually molested me. So I think that that really played a key role in like me sort of feeling like there was some sort of danger in the idea of being promiscuous and that I could put myself in danger or or other people. And, and, but, but overall, I I would say that it's like the societal expectations that people have of women. Like we're supposed to be, um, you know, that, that there's more value in being loved by one person than, than just being expressive of whatever your sexuality is like the, you know, the number of partners you have, is, um, you know, you're judged based on that. And so I think I felt really, you know, like a lot of my self-esteem was built around, or low self-esteem was built around the fact that I'd had sex with so many people. And, which it really wasn't that many, but like I felt as if, and then you you couple that with the fact that my, um, my husband has kind of a savior complex where he felt like, and even his parents sort of reaffirmed that, like, oh, you really saved her, <laughs> you know, from a life of debauchery, I guess. Um, and so I think that there was some of that happening, but I wasn't, but I was in it. Like, I was like, yes, that's absolutely right. Like, I was, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid too. And I think that um, that really affected my ability to express my sexuality going forward. And and I think that, you know, it's not as if, like, so my partner and I, uh, my husband and I, we had, you know, good sex and we were into each other and, and it was, uh, you know, positive and... Um, Do you feel like your sex drives were equal? Not all the time. Um, I think most of the time his was probably higher than mine. Um, and I, I just think it's because... Um, so I've really bought into the idea and it's, and it's a, it's a, there's a great book by Wednesday Martin called Mm. untrue. Mm. I don't know if you've read it yet. Um, and it talks a little bit about a lot of the book is, um, talking about women's infidelity and, um, you know, just women's sexuality in general. And the way that she talks about women's infidelity, um, is actually it's so casual and like this is and and just like matter of fact that it's shocking for uh, certainly for my husband he was like well, I don't like the tone this <laughs> book is taking about you know it's almost like she's promoting women's infidelity and it's like no she's just reporting the facts and and one of the main themes of the book is that women actually crave variety and that we're turned on more by our own sexuality than the sexuality of someone else. Looking at it in terms of where you were before you got married and where you are now, do you feel like you're kind of returning to that state? Like the the energy you have now, the desire you have now, is it equal to that? Is it more than you have? It's more than I had then because I have less um, insecurities about it. And I have um, more, just more self-esteem in my own body and my own, you know, sense of myself as a person. Um, I think, you know, at that age, I was still trying to figure out what I, so I think it's better now. 
Like, do you feel like it's tied to biology, or you think that it is really like a life circumstance? Kind of I think it was a. Oh, I think it's a life circumstance because I I felt, you know, I was very young, you know, at, at the at the time that I was, you know, sort of developing sexually, and and um, so I think the big difference now is that I have life experience and I have a sense of who I am, and um, not that that you know, isn't constantly evolving and changing, but I definitely feel more confident now than I did in my twenties. So I don't know that I would have had the same experience in my twenties and thirties had I been single that whole time. I don't, I mean, I feel like my whole life has kind of, you know, it's like what everybody says all the time. It's like, well, those, the choices that you make bring you to where you are and you just have to accept them and not sit around worrying about like what would have been different. Um, but I will say that now, um, I, it's, I feel very liberated and very, um, some, you know, it's funny cause like last night I was out with, uh, someone new and, and he was like, well, you know, you're clearly very hypersexual. And I was like, you know, to some people that might be an insult, but I don't <laughs> actually think of it as that. And I, he wasn't trying to insult me because he was like, I am too. And, um, I don't know, maybe he was just trying to get laid. It worked. <laughs> Um, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that I, I just discovered that sexuality isn't about like, like shame or stigma or, or, you know, um, it's not as, it's not as complicated as we make it out to be a lot of times. And I, I feel like it's just a part, an essential part of our humanity. And I think it was that, that I'm in the place I am now, because for so many years, I it was sort of kept in a little box on the side. Mm. And now I'm like putting it front and center and kind of building a whole life around it, which is um, which seems like hypersexual. But when I think about it, like everybody has their passion in life. You know, some people like art, which I also do. I you know, it's not like I don't do other things besides have sex and talk about <laughs> sex. But I do talk about sex a lot. Um uh, or, you know, or some people are like, I want to be a doctor, I want to be whatever, you know, and I, I just feel like my passion at this stage in my life is sexuality and not just my own sexuality, but just like uh, of the, in society as a whole. Yeah. Um, because I really, um, you know, and I'm studying to be a sex educator and, and, and one of the, I just always say, so what are you going to do with the sex education thing? And I'm like, I just want to change the world. (laughs) I don't know how I'm going to do that yet, but the most, the easiest way for me to do that is just to live my life Mm -hmm. and be an example. Yeah. Like, yes, this is who I am. I talk about sex. I have sex with whoever I want and, and that's okay. It's okay if you don't want to do that, you know, but there's, there's a whole spectrum of, possibilities and you don't have to be confined to one little box. Can you tell me a bit, cause you mentioned this very briefly, but um, you were saying the, the work you do with postpartum, you know, with women trying to help them recover physically, I'm sure. And, you know, mm-hmm. get back in touch with themselves as a sexual body instead of just being kind of like a source of food and mm-hmm. life. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's huge because I, my, for my own experience, I breastfed all three of my kids and, you know, that was a good, 
because I did it all from, I'm trying to think of a total of like six years I spent being a food source yeah. or a source of comfort in my body or with, uh, with my body. Um, and so when I, I was a doula for many years, I attended births and um, helped women postpartum. And uh, I didn't really address sexuality too much when I was a doula because I didn't feel it wasn't in my comfort zone at that point. And, and just in case somebody doesn't know what a doula, like how would you distinguish a doula from a midwife to like any other? Yeah. So whenever I say doula, people automatically think, oh, it's like a midwife. And it's sort of midwives and doulas have a very similar philosophy in that we believe that uh, in the innate ability of women's ability or uh, ability to give birth. Um but doulas are not medical professionals, so we are support people. We come and we we provide information. We we don't give advice. We we you know use evidence based information. We um, support people, and it's really a lot about holding space for the person who's giving birth and their partner. Um, and holding space is one of those concepts that is hard to explain, but it's basically just allowing people to feel whatever they want to. F- whatever they're feeling and not have any judgments about it. And um, so that was a really powerful uh, time in my life. It's, you know, just in the past year or so that I stopped doing dual work. But Did you get started doing that before you were a mother yourself or this was after? Your this was birth? after my first two okay. births. And, um, and then I had my, my last child after being a doula for a few years. And, um, you know, I mean, it was, it's wonderful. Doula work is wonderful. And I, I, I just, you know, had been doing it for so many years and being on call, I, I couldn't do it. But, but so I have kind of um, have, I have a lot of experience, you know, helping people kind of like deal with that postpartum period. And there's, there's really not enough support for women and, um, and certainly no discussion of what the realities are for intimacy and mm-hmm. sex. And so I, when I decided to switch gears, when I became hypersexual, <laughs> I just, I was like, I'm going to learn, I'm going to take a sex education course and I'm going to, you know, I'm now I'm in a program, um, for sex education and, um, and just human sexuality in general. Um, I thought, well, I'll start with the population that I'm already working with. And so I developed a little, workshop for postpartum families. And, um, I haven't really done much with it actually. And, uh, but I hope to do, uh, like more individual counseling. I mean, I'm not counseling cause I'm not a, um, a counselor, but like education and sort of coaching for, for parents when they're, um, just coming out of this, because I think that, um, it is, you know, just, it's something as simple as just acknowledging that there are changes happening and, and having a little more understanding about what that means. And it's not necessarily the end of the world. I'm especially curious about it. Just, um, there's an account that I follow, Sluts and Scholars. You follow them on a Yes, I do. <laughs> Did you see the question they posted about, is it, uh, is it realistic or something about the expectation of daily sex? And it, yes. it was very, there was a lot of engagement. And I had kind of a back and forth with, with somebody on it. Because my feeling was that it wasn't more about the unreality of the expectation. It was more about like finding somebody you're sexually compatible with. And that most, I mean, and again, I'm saying this and I don't have kids. And I know that there's a whole wealth of experience that I am ignorant to just because 
that I haven't had that. But I, I do see a lot with relationships. I've spoken with a lot of people that, you know, whether they're in short-term or long-term relationships, like sexual compatibility is so, and it never, it doesn't change in the sense of like, I mean, it does shift. We all evolve. Right. But it's like if you if you begin not being sexually compatible, I don't think the odds are in your favor that you're going to become well, sexually compatible. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, definitely. I think that our things change and what used to turn us on and certainly sometimes our partners, you know, because we've been together for however many years that there's just a, a there's not the hormonal response. There's not that, uh, you know, uh, feeling that you get when you're when you're sort of still discovering things and, and, you know, like really hot for each other. And then you add kids to that and it's, it's even more complicated. But I I think that, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that if, so if you, if you're in a partnership where let's say that the, you both have really high libidos, um, and a baby comes along, Sometimes the partner's libido will drop too. Actually, the uh, biologically women or men's testosterone will go down after the birth of their child. Mm-hmm. It just happens, and it's and and it's. I think it's nature's way of just trying to protect them from having another baby too soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so that happens. But uh, yeah, I think that the and and someone on that thread you know, said something about expectations and like, well, I hate the, that word. The, you the know? comments centered around the changes that come from ba- having babies. Like that, yeah. that was to me, like the majority theme of, of everyone's responses, whether yeah. they agreed or disagreed was like, you know, acknowledging that there is a difference in that and attributing the unrealistic expectation of that being tied to, you know, yeah. well, when this happens, like you should. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I think it, it, it does. It, 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 it changes your libido. It might change your libido. It might change your partner's libido. Um, it might change both. Um, I think that there is, and some women actually get more sexual after having a baby. I, you know, uh, and so that's, um, there's no like hard and fast rule or, 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 or thing that happens for everybody. I think that, um, yeah, I do. I do think that people need to adjust their expectations when when there is a you know when they're postpartum because and even going forward because you, it changes the dynamic. Children, children ruin your marriage. <laughs> <laughs> no, they do change the dynamic. I love my children, and and I, I think that that's uh, that's actually part of the problem. I think for some marriages, I don't. I didn't feel it so much. Uh, all the time with, with my own, but for many, and this is kind of a normal response. Like, uh, for many partners, they, they feel jealous of the children. Yeah. Because they're, it's taking away attention that they used to get. Um, and that, you know, there's a whole psychological (laughs) thing about that, you know, like, first of all, how men are, you know, they go from living with their mothers to, their wives raising, you know, like there's a little bit of that, um, that, you know, like they, they just never really, um, and I, and I hate to generalize men and women, but I I think in general, like, well, the point is, is that yes, you, you will definitely, there's definitely a change. Um, and it's different for everyone, but yeah, I mean, I've met couples who, you know, when I was dueling that I would, uh, 
you know, question, I won't say I would question, but, uh, but, but obviously everybody's relationship is very different. And I think that the ability to communicate during the postpartums uh, period is, you know, kind of going to make or break the situation. So I think it's really important to just kind of like, if you, to start with a good relationship before you have a baby. Yeah. Do you think that it's, this was part of the sticking point for me in that query? And I don't know <laughs> that I adequately express this in, in my responses there, but I don't believe that sexual compatibility is all about libido. I think a big part of it is, oh yeah, you know, it's a mental thing. It's, um, it's emotional connection. I don't think that, you know, so while I, I totally understand what you're saying about like the physical response, the biology, mm-hmm. the change in hormones, all of that, to me, sexual compatibility is kind of bigger than that. Like that's for sure a huge mm-hmm. component of it. But I think that it's it's more about, you know, like how how does sex function in your life? Do you what do you gain from it? Like, is that mm-hmm. how you communicate kind of going to the love languages thing, mm-hmm. like people mm-hmm. have very different ways of expressing intimacy and affection and love. And I think people that might find themselves being described as hypersexual, like, you know, may require a totally different partner to find, you know, someone that they're sexually compatible with than a typical person that, that doesn't categorize themselves as hypersexual. Does that make No, sense I, you know, you? I agree with you. Like, I think that, um, Yeah. So for example, I could not be with someone who didn't prioritize our sexual relationship. Um, and I think that that's a good, a good clarification that it's a priority, Uh like a deal breaker, whereas some people like you can have a high sex drive, but it also can be a low priority aspect of your relationship as a whole or your life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, but, but yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, you, it's true. Starting at that foundation of having, um, you know, kind of uh, the same, you know, I would say the same, you know, values around sex. Like that's, that's a, it's not so much like about like, what do you want to do? Um, particularly in bed, although that's kind of important too. Like yeah. if you have somebody who, you know, doesn't like eating pussy <laughs> and you really <laughs> like that, and yeah. which is I, more common than I realized, um, then you probably aren't going to be happy with that person. And so I think it's, it's definitely, and it's also, you know, I, I feel like Dan Savage kind of put it really well that like the whole GGG concept, the, you don't know, you're not familiar with that. Oh, I'm surprised. (laughs) So Dan Savage, it's called giving good and game, Mm. which is basically means that you're a giving lover and that you're good at what you do. You have some skill and that you're game to try new things. And, and I think that that's, uh, you know, that's a personality trait, you know, people who are like, who are like, Oh no, I would never try that. Or I would, you know, like, I'm not comfortable with that. Like if you're a very adventurous person and, and frankly, if you're not an adventurous person now, as you age, you will want to be and get more adventurous, especially if you're in a long-term relationship, because, doing the same thing over and over and over again for years. It, it, <laughs> it takes its toll. <laughs> yeah. It's boring. So, you know, and I hate that whole, I, I hate that, like, spice up your marriage kind of thing. <laughs> but I, so there's something about that term that just sort of rubs me the wrong way. But just the idea that, like, you have to be willing to um, 
you know, explore different avenues and different fantasies and, and, um, you know, be open to what your partner is into. It's like, you know, throughout our marriage, like there was a point, I think it was right after the birth of my second child, actually, where I got really into uh, wanting to be submissive and spanked and, you know, and tied up and, 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 you know, and my partner was really accommodating and, and explored that with me. Um, ultimately it wasn't in his personality to be that person, but he really worked and tried to cultivate some of those things. So I really appreciate that about him. Um, but it ultimately it wasn't as if it was a successful, um, you know, it was something we did for a while and it was fun and we occasionally would pull it back out every once in a while. Um, but it's, it's those kind of things I think that for the longevity of your relationship really help. Um, but again, I'm not particularly, um, pro monogamy anymore. So, you know, that's if you're going to be in a monogamous relationship and so I, say anymore. So how did, and when did that shift? <laughs> what brought that about? Um, so, you know, as you do in, and it's, this is a really common thing in marriages where people just get, after a while, you start to get kind of curious, like, what's it like on the outside world? <laughs> you know, you live in this little bubble of, of like family and, and this is our relationship. And you sort of just kind of resign yourself to the fact that this is the only person you're going to kiss or fuck for the rest of your life. And it, and it, there's part of you that's kind of sad about it. And um, because we all know what it feels like to kiss someone for the first <laughs> time and explore new things, and it's wonderful. Um, and uh, so both my husband and I, unbeknownst to the other, we had both done, like, Ashley Madison accounts just to, <laughs> just because we were curious. Yeah. Like, I never responded to anyone's messages or never messaged anyone myself. I just wanted to see, like, what does it look like in there? And I had actually responded to a Craigslist. I was like, I would occasionally, I, one of my favorite things to do when the Village Voice was still in print was read the back page <laughs> personals ads. Yeah. And then once the internet sort of became more uh, populated, like at Craigslist, I would sometimes go on just to kind of like get inspiration. I also did like phone sex, those chat lines, I would call those because for women it was free. So like sometimes I would just like masturbate with strangers on the phone. <laughs> And I did that behind the scenes for, uh, and this was years ago. And um, so it's like this, there's like these series of things that kind of led to us opening our marriage. But the, the big thing was, is that I had responded to this Craigslist ad. And at the time, my husband and I, so like we got a computer so long ago, like that it was when couples would just like get email accounts together. <laughs> like you wouldn't <laughs> dare think about that now. But we still had this email account that, you know, it was where we sent our junk to or like certain things our accounts might be associated with it. So he was, cause people would ask me like, well, what was he doing reading your emails? Because he saw, he found this email and uh, I had responded to a Craigslist ad. Um, this, I don't remember what the guy said, something about wanting something different. And I don't know. I was like, Oh, that's intriguing. And so I actually, the, the thing that I wrote was actually very positive about my, my own, sex life. I was like, yeah, my husband and I actually have really great sex. Yada, yada. And, and it was actually kind of a complimenting him. And, and, um, so his reaction to it initially, he was surprised. He didn't tell me he found it for until like months later. And, um, he was surprised and a little hurt. 
and also a little turned on. And so that sort of led him down this rabbit hole of hot wifing and having a threesome and like um, the idea of sharing me with other men and, and um, were these things you actually did or these were just fantasies? These were, these were fantasies. And um, so we, he didn't tell me about these things for a while. So, you know, there are secrets in marriages sometimes. And um, he didn't tell me that he was having these um, thoughts and, um, you know, researching them, you know, how to make that happen. And, (laughs) and when he first introduced the idea to me, I was, I didn't like it at all. There was a couple of reasons. One was, I don't think I felt that secure that like people, I I basically said to him, I was like, why would anyone want to fuck me? Like I'm this chubby, you know, middle-aged woman who's just had kids. Like I feel schlumpy. I just want to like sink into, you know, middle age and knit and like, you know, give up. I know. <laughs> and it was sad for him too. He was like, he was like, I can't believe that that's what you want to do. Um, and, and so, you know, there was a certain amount of like, you know, role play and fantasy that we used to do. And the, and the, and the big thing of the, also the, the other thing that really kind of like rubbed me the wrong way about it was that this idea that I was, um, a piece of property to be shared. Yeah. You know, the whole idea that like the, the partner is the, um, the owner. Yeah. And, and, and that was like way against, you know, my feminist ideology. I was like, and I know that there are people who do that and it's really hot for them. Um, but at the time, and I, and honestly, like as part of a kink, I think I could do it now. Like I've evolved into understanding these different dynamics much more. But at the, at the time when he said it, um, I was like, no, that's disgusting. I don't want to. And, and I, I think it also had to do with the fact that like, I knew that that if there was a threesome situation, that it would be a loaded thing and that there would be, um, that, that it would be, I think it would have been harder for him than he realized. And um, so we never actually had like, private, you know, intimate threesomes, but we did explore like sex parties and, um, he never really, that was not really in his wheelhouse and he didn't, I love them actually. (laughs) I discovered that I'm an exhibitionist and I love having sex in a room full of people and being naked and seeing all the people and having them see me. And, um, even with my imperfect body or, you know, like anybody has a perfect body, but, um, my uh chubby chubbiness um but yeah and so like we ultimately kind of came to an agreement of and and it sort of happened really quickly because it was just on a lark so i had another friend who was in an open who's in an open relationship and uh she was talking about her tender profile she showed me her tender profile and so i went on tinder and i made a profile just for fun just for giggles and um and I started getting matches and I and I went home and I showed my husband and I was like well you were talking about me fucking other men (laughs) (laughs) if you want this to happen like here's some options you know like and um and he and at first he was like oh this is really hot like just and we and when we started 
exploring this and I started getting all this attention and I started going on dates, like it was really hot. Like we, it did affect our sex life a lot. Like we were fucking every day, like just being so turned on. And part of it was cause I was really turned on by the idea that like, I'm still a sexual being and people still think of me as sexy. And like, um, and I hate to sort of think that like all of this is about like, because I'm getting outside validation from men, I think that plays a part, but I think a lot of it is that it just sort of like helped me to kind of reflect and re-examine my own attitudes toward myself. And, and ultimately I, I, I feel like I'm responsible for, the 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 news kind of surgeon like sexual energy that I have because it's all it all originates from me it doesn't really even matter like who the guy is and but yeah so we did that and uh and, and I one of the second uh, yeah the second tinder date I went on um was oh gosh he, we we saw each other for about eight months and I still really adore him um I saw his photos. They're just, you know, I don't know if you use dating apps at all, but like there's there, sometimes people you just know just from looking at the photos, you're like this person, I'm going to be in trouble. <laughs> and, and this guy was like, he was so incredibly sexy to me. And I was like, Oh my God. And, and so I swiped right and I was stunned that we matched and even honestly, to this day, sometimes I'm when I go out with people, I'm like, it still kind of surprises me that like, oh, they really are into me. Like, I still kind of think that every one of them is going to be like, oh, no, you know, but it doesn't happen. And it may be just because men are like, you're easy sex. And that's like, that's fine, because you're easy sex for me, too. So like, <laughs> you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't go into my, my dates with this expectation that I'm going to fall in love, or that person's going to fall in love with me. I, it's more about just like being present, and taking whatever is there is from the moment. Um, but this guy, like, because it was my first kind of like, extramarital experience, um, and I started having all of these feelings and all of the dopamine. And I've talked a lot about hormones because I love them. Um, and serotonin, all those things, like really, I felt like I was swimming in a sea of endorphins. And I, so I kind of just allowed myself to really indulge in those feelings. And, um, and you know, he's like this lovely erotic person. And this was a whole world I didn't know about. So I always call myself Alice in Tinderland. And I always think of him as, as my white rabbit, you know, (laughs) he's the guy that he didn't lead me down the rabbit hole, but like, he was the first person to like, sort of pop up and like, be a part, be a real part of my experiences. Um, But all of these encounters were happening with your husband's knowledge and permission? Yes. Yes. So we... Was he also on Tinder or... He had, he did way. not, as, as is true with most men and especially I'm sure men in their forties have a, a difficult time is, and, and married men in their forties, it's not like you're, they're on in demand. Um, he had a really difficult time with dating apps. So he didn't, he didn't have, he went on a few dates and, and, you know, never really found someone that he connected with initially. And so he kind of gave up on trying to do dating apps and, and he actually ended up he ended up meeting someone that he's known since high school and they're together now. They, they, um, 
they met, uh, he didn't really know her in high school. And then they ran into each other at their high school reunion and started a, a connection. And, and, and while we were married, like he would go visit her. So and it, did you, well, I mean, just to back up a little bit, did you view your marriage as open or that the two of you were poly? Like how, how, how did you make it work? Did you have an agreement in place about like certain boundaries with other people or it was kind of a free for all? Like what was the real structure? Well, I mean, we, we, the main rule was that we only would date once a week. Um, and that, you know, always use condoms of course, and be safe. And, um, I think the problem for him was that it, it moved too fast. Like I was out there getting action like right away. And I think a little bit, he felt a little bit left on the sidelines. So it felt a little bit uneven. Mm-hmm. And, um, but that, but yeah, that was the only rule. And then when he ended up meeting his partner now, uh, like those rules changed because then we were allowing like weekend trips out of town, you know, three day trips. And so things really, really, uh, really changed. And, um, and I was fine with that. Cause I'm, I'm actually somebody who I don't, I don't really get jealous. And I, 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 you know, I really do feel compersion for, for my partners. Like I, I really am a big believer that we should all just be free spirits and like love who we want and have sex with who we want. And, and if someone chooses to be in my life, it's because they choose to be there and I choose to be with them. I'm my own primary partner, <laughs> you know, like yeah. I'm my, I'm my own priority and I, I'm in a really great relationship with myself. And I have a whole other like group of people that I can hang out with if I want to, or I can meet new people. And, and, um, so that's a really comfortable place to be, but yeah, within the marriage, I think, um, you know, it did, we did a lot of talking. Like when you, if you're going to open your relationship, you just be prepared for like, communicate my my husband called it the communication olympics <laughs> and i call and somebody somebody said to me oh you you must have a communication fetish you know like you really have to like talking um because it's really about examining it's not as if jealousy doesn't exist you do get jealous but it's it's really examining where that comes from and and if it comes from somewhere you know, like, is it coming from fear of abandonment? Is it coming from insecurity? Is it coming from, um, you know, FOMO? That was a big one for us, fear of missing out. Like, because he really felt like he was, I because I would come home. And, of course, I would bring it home. And I would come home and, and you know, sometimes we would talk about what happened. Um, I was always really cautious and respectful of the per- other person I was with. And if they had boundaries around that, then I wouldn't really talk about it too much. Uh, and it, but it got to the point where my husband didn't really want to know details anymore because it was just too uncomfortable for him. And, um, but it was, it was a little, Did yeah, you have that ignition. same reaction with him? No, not at all. Did he, I mean, we're not until he met his current partner who he had, um, fallen in love with. I started to feel a little bit, and she also had boundaries. She was like, I don't want, you know, I don't want to hear about your sex life and I don't want you to talk about ours. And, and I was fine. You know, that's, that's, those are fine. Did you have a sense that it was 
was getting pretty heavy? Well, I knew that they had they'd fallen in love and I and I I really um I was okay with that. The the issue was that um yeah, I don't I don't think I actually want to talk about that part of okay. it too much. Um, just because, it, you know, I, the way that I sort of summarize it without getting too personal about people is that um, throughout this process, what we discovered was that we wanted different things. And, you know, one thing that my my husband kept saying to me was like, you've changed so much. I don't, sometimes I don't know who you are. I don't recognize you. And... And I just wanted to be like, yeah, isn't it great? Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm so much happier and more confident now. And, and I think that, um, I don't think that he was uh, intimidated by the fact that I was happier, more confident, and, and like enjoying the experiences. I think he just, on some sort of uh, a social and, and moral level, I think he, um, he got a little toxic towards the end of, of, being judgy of um, having multiple, like he felt I was taking it Too faster. Yeah. And I, and you know, in, in his defense, you know, maybe he's right. Maybe I pushed the boundaries a little too far. Um, so when you say you think now that, you know, you two just wanted very different things, what do you think he wanted? And what do you think of like, if you had to kind of just summarize what, you think he wanted and what you think you want. Well, and how he, that differed. I can say this. He, he told me that he, uh, he realized that he wanted to fall in love again, that he wanted to feel that. And, um, and he tried for years to sort of recreate that new feeling in our relationship. Yeah. Um, and you know, I was like, that's just humanly impossible. Like it's, you know, I, I, I love that you're so attentive and that you're, that you're making an effort and it's really, it doesn't go unnoticed. And, and, but, but the idea that I'm just going to suddenly be as physically and, and, you know, emotionally like the place I was when we first got together, um, isn't going to happen. You know, that's just not going to happen. We have too much history, too much stuff going on. And I think that's what happens. I think, you know, it's pretty common for people in their, 40s and and you know like middle age who've been together for a while to get a divorce for that reason because it's you know you meet someone who doesn't have that history that you had you have with your partner there's no kids and you know like there's not that complication of everything um of managing a house and all that and it seems much easier and then the you couple you you combine that with um the newness and and the um the enthusiasm that new partner has for you that your old partner doesn't have. So I don't, I, you know, and I, I honestly like, I feel like when I tell people, yeah, you know, he decided to, um, to, he basically chose his girlfriend over me. And, and I feel like people are like, Oh, I'm so sorry. That sounds awful. But honestly, I'm really glad <laughs> because I don't know that I was particularly happy and, and, you know, you, there's a lot of things that you can point to, but um, ultimately, I uh, am really happy to not um, 
have another adult that I have to sort of take care of or report to, or, you know, include in decisions that I make. And, and, and it feels, I feel very much lighter. And, and so having this freedom and, and, uh, ability to choose is, and, and to, and to explore things that I thought were not possibilities, you know, and, and realize that, you know, my sexuality is such an important part of who I am. Do you and think that's what your realization from this experience with your, your ex-husband was? Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, opening up our marriage created this world where I wasn't his wife, you know, it created this world where I could just be me. And I kind of liked living in that world, you know, and then I, I don't, I, I don't think that coming home and just being a wife, uh, was as fulfilling for me. And, um, yeah. So, I mean, I think I learned that, um, I really needed to focus more on myself. And one, one of the amazing things that happened or several of the amazing things that happened during this whole process is just in general, I started reflecting about how much of myself I'd given up, um, because I felt like it would be selfish to do things like, so for me, it's, it hasn't just been about sex. It's about been sort of like about examining what I want in my whole life and, yeah. and, and realizing that, you know, I don't want to be seen as some martyr. I think that, that women just naturally do that, especially when you become a mother. Um, but it's, it's, we're cheating ourselves, you know? And I think that that, all of this, something about my sexuality just spilled over and enhanced everything else and um, and made me want to be more creative and more expressive. And um, so it's, you know, it's affected things in ways that I hadn't really realized. Well, you seem so happy. And like, <laughs> I know, every time I see that. you, like, you're, you're one of those people that you're just visibly filled with this lightness. Oh. So it's really <sighs> beautiful to see and to hear you talk about kind of discovering these things about yourself and reclaiming this time and this space for your own self. You know, yeah. like you talked about making space for the experience when you were a doula. Like, it sounds like you're doing that for right. yourself. Right, I'm like, holding space for myself. Yes. Like, yeah. Oh, my God, yes. And, and I think that... And so it's not as if like my whole life is all about like, I'm so great and everything's wonderful. But yes, I do hold space for myself. And I, you know, I suffer from anxiety and depression and, you know, all of the things that, that people suffer for, from. And, um, and I, I really do like when I'm feeling anxious or, or, you know, dealing with, you know, a complex, um, kind of sense of, you know, like, like right now I'm trying to sort of like figure out what my next steps are. I feel, you know, I'm in this really transitional phase with, you know, learning and, and working and figuring out how it's all going to come together. And it's very anxiety producing, but I think that I've also come to allow myself to just kind of sit with those feelings and be like, okay, they're here. Like we don't have to, or loneliness, like after the divorce, um, being alone was really hard yeah. at first. And I was just like, 
yeah, I'm going to feel lonely sometimes, you know, loneliness is a thing and it's just a part of our lives. And I felt lonely sometimes when I was married too. So it's not as if it's having another human in your presence makes you makes up for that loneliness. It's really about, um, you know, kind of just sitting with that and allowing it to be there and, but not letting it consume your life, you know? Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you you sharing you. the things that you've shared and just holding space with me for this. So yes, thank, thank you. you. Thanks for listening to this episode of sex communication. Did you dig it? Tell a friend, subscribe, leave a review on iTunes, send an email. I really would love for you to do all of these things. And if you'd like to know more about this project, visit graphicpaint.com slash sex podcast for additional episodes and background on how this all began. And if you'd like to be a part of this podcast, send an email to sex at graphicpaint.com. Every story and experience is valuable, so why not do an interview or submit your own filthy audio? Be a part of our revolution and help us spread the message of sexy self-acceptance.